Absolutely delighted that uh, John and Debbie Wright are here this morning. Uh, we're absolutely thrilled. It's such a privilege and an honor. Yeah, give them a big round of applause. At least they deserve. Legends that they are. Um, for those of you who've not been around, John and Debbie were absolutely foundational in the planting and the establishment of this church. Um, very, very quickly after John and Eleanor Mumford planted this church back in 1987, John and Debbie were on board and uh, serving their socks off and working alongside John and, Deb, uh, John and Ellie incredibly hard for a number of years in getting this uh, church off the ground and um, really been very, very foundational and fundamental in establishing it. And so much of what we see and experience as being part of the DNA of this church is in no small part down to uh, obviously John and Ellie, but certainly to John and Debbie as well. Uh, they've been on the staff team here. They're on the staff team here from probably 88, 89, some time ago through 89 through to 96 when they went off and planted the, the vineyard in Trent, Trent Vineyard, which is a, a small little local parish church, a um, couple of men and a dog, uh, but, you know, they're coming along nicely. Um, and not only did they lead that incredible church, which has been such a massive blessing to so many people in churches across both the UK and the rest of the world. Uh, they now lead Vineyard Churches UK and Ireland. As you know, we're part of the Vineyard family of churches, and John and Debbie uh, took over from John and Ellie as the national directors. And so it's a real pleasure and privilege to welcome them here this morning. So please, will you give a very, very warm welcome to John and Debbie. It's, it's absolutely wonderful to be here. I, I, we do recognize many of you, and it's just it's such a lovely family atmosphere. Do you know, it's, it's a treat, an absolute treat to be here. Now, Neil and Kate don't know this, but... Um, sorry, I think I'm popping a bit, aren't I? So Neil and Kate don't know this, but really, the reason we've come is we want to celebrate you guys. It's been 10 years... It's been 10 years that they've been... Uh, that they took on the leadership of this church, and so um, it's... It's very important that we recognize that and celebrate that. So they don't know this. Uh, now, I think behind me will come up some pictures um, that uh, were prepared earlier uh, of these folks when they were younger. And <laughs> will, you, will you recognize yourselves? That's Kate, I think. Yes. Oh, no, Katie Cryer there. These are the early days. That's right. There you are. Look at you. Oh, it looks like a rock, and, rock and roller. <laughs> Just a young little girl, little young Rose. Now, obviously, that's going to be very distracting as I try and say some nice things about them. Um, but uh, the thing is, do you know, it struck me this morning as we were standing next to Neil and Kate worshipping. They are real worshippers. They love to worship. They're passionate worshippers. And, uh, and they love all things Holy Spirit. Uh, it's, it was... Um, it was like when, oh, more's coming. Oh, my goodness. Oh, no, that's where he's lost some hair, hasn't he? You've lost some there. Must have shaved it, I think. <laughs> and, um, and the thing is, they love the Holy Spirit. If ever the Holy Spirit's moving, you bet your bottom dollar, is that how we say it? Do we say something like that? Kate will be there sniffing it out, or Neil. They'll be there trying to be a part of it, catch some of it, bring it back to you guys. But they're also incredibly hardworking, and very faithful in ministry. But I have to say, one of the things that 
struck us um, a few years ago when we became national directors is their generosity. So uh, who else would think to send us six bottles of wonderful champagne? And I have to say, we needed every bottle. <laughs> <laughs> now, we first met Neil and Kate in the early 90s. And as, I, as you see in the pictures, Neil had a lot more hair. And you were teaching. I think you might have just come back from the Middle East. Or, yeah. Yes. And then Kate was a student at Roehampton. And uh, very creative. You were a dancer. And, um, I remember I've... it. You turned up to a healing seminar that we were doing at the college. That's right. So, again, came in through sort of the supernatural side of things. And um, anyway, then they got married. And I think that was when you came onto the staff and you were youth pastor. And uh, now this is great training because most of the young people... Oh, oh gosh, that's sweet. <laughs> the children came to him. Um, <laughs> This is such a distraction. Anyway, so, so the thing is that most of the kids in the youth group were either leaders' kids or staff kids. And, of course, they were terrible. They were incredibly difficult. And there were many occasions when John had to counsel Neil and Kate through kind of the, the problems of, of managing these, these terrible people. teenagers. <laughs> and, uh, but it was great training for leading a church. <laughs> if you can do youth, you can do a church. Um, I remember we were around when Joseph was born. And it's wonderful, it was wonderful to watch them it kind of grow in, in parenting and being parents. It was just lovely to see that. Um, but I'm also very relieved to say that they, they can practice forgiveness. When we left a plant, there was a little party, a little gathering at the Mumfords. And everybody was going around the room remembering kind of naughty or bad stories about us. And um, anyway, apparently... Honestly, I can't believe this ever happened. But apparently, for Neil and Kate's wedding... We, I bought a Russian re recipe book, I think it was, and in it, I dedicated it, I wrote in there, and I wrote Kate's name, but with a former boyfriend's name. <laughs> Isn't that the most appalling pastoral? That it was, and they reminded us of it. I've never forgotten how dreadful, how dreadful that was, but they've forgiven us and loved us. <laughs> so thank you for loving us for loving the vineyard, for loving the church all these years, for your generosity, your passion for the Holy Spirit, your worship, uh, your forgiveness. And uh, so I'm going to pass on to John, who's going to do a much better job of a proper talk this morning. <laughs> it's great to be here on uh, a day when we're celebrating 10 years of Neil and Kate's leadership here, and just looking back a little bit, just looking back, I see there are some relics. I made that with, I forget the guy's name, that's still around. I think it's looking a bit worn out though, but it's rustic, it is. So today we just want to honor them a little bit uh, for the blessing that they have been to this church and to this community. Um, over the last 10 years, their leadership has facilitated really all that's gone on here, released what has gone on in through this church. And that's what we really want to celebrate today, what the Lord has done through this church. When you talk to the average person in the street about church, what do they think of? They probably think of a building, perhaps something that looks a bit like this. And if you're visiting today... You may have been surprised to turn up to a school. Now, I'm also delighted to see that tens of millions of pounds have been spent on this place because back in the day, this was reckoned widely to be the most ugly secondary school in the whole of the nation. And um, it's externally still, I mean, it's got nice colored panels and things. It's really improved hugely, but this was really, really ugly 
ex externally, but just bear in mind who it was who found this place more than 25 years ago and actually got you in here. So I take all the responsibility for any aesthetic lack that you might have spotted. For many people, the church might be a place where you go. You go to get married, you go to get buried. You probably hear people talk about going to church. But we believe the church isn't a place that you go to. It is something that we are. And in the Bible, there are many pictures, many metaphors of the church. Uh, like, for instance, the church is a family, brothers and sisters. Another is a building made up of living stones. Another is a body, different parts playing their roles, all part of a whole. Whatever the picture, we know that the church is precious to God and really important to him. And we also know whose church it is and who's actually building it. And that is, of course, Jesus. We read in the accounts of Jesus' life, he says this in Matthew 16, I will build my church, and the gates of death or the gates of hell will not overcome it. Jesus in the business of building his church, and this church and every church belongs to him. It's his church. It doesn't belong to Neil and Kate, or Mike, James, Manny and Sinead, Charlie, or any of the other staff and leaders, nor does it actually belong to you. You might say, my church, our church, but you know that you're holding that uh, under Christ's headship. It's actually his. It belongs to him, and it's for him. But we're also part of this wonderful enterprise. God has called us to be co-workers with him as we build the church together with him. As we come into submission to God's mission, he gives us a co-mission. God's mission, summarized in 1 Timothy, I think it is, he wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. That's God's mission. And the co-mission that Jesus gave his disciples was this in Matthew 28, go and make disciples of all nations, that means all different kinds of people all over the world, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you to do. And this is what the church is about. That's the commission that we have to invite people who don't know God to encounter him. I'd encourage you, invite people tonight who don't know God, a neighbor, a friend, just think, I'll bring them tonight. People, inviting people in to encounter Jesus, commit their lives to him, to help people walk in freedom, to teach them to obey what God wants, to disciple them, to help people to connect with God, with what God has actually called them to do and gifted them to do, and send them out to reach others who don't know God. That's basically what the church is in business to do. And we're engaged in this great enterprise to build the church and to be the church among all the other expressions of it across the world. We need to learn from Jesus and be led by him, work with him in the building of his church so that it can be all that God intends it to be. So in celebrating all that Neil and Kate are and have been as senior leaders over the last 10 years, we also want to celebrate all that God is building through this church, all that you are. We need churches like this all over this nation. In a time when the church is seen by so many in our society as outdated, irrelevant, with shrinking attendance and influence, Southwest London Vineyard is a church which is quietly but powerfully saying, it isn't as you may think. God is on the move here. His people are responding to his lead and actually making a real difference in society. This church has a presence in the community which makes a powerful statement 
about the church of Jesus Christ. If you think the church is shrinking and outdated and irrelevant, have a look at what is going on here in the life of this church. Usually not intentionally, but churches can be held back from what Jesus would want them to be um, by those in the church resisting new people being included, by the people in the church becoming content with what is, with little passion for what could be, by not being willing to take risks to reach out to those who don't know Jesus, by wanting to hold on to their most gifted leaders rather than being open-handed about giving great people away. Now, these things do not describe you. This church is as healthy as it is because you have refused to settle. You're a people who are willing to press into the challenges the Lord has presented to you and fulfill his calling even when it's not been easy. I'm just going to think three things that would, I think, describe you. First of all, that you are risk takers. You've been a pioneering church from the very beginning. This, as you know, was the first vineyard planted uh, in the UK and Ireland. And your vision is to welcome everyone, whether they would call themselves a follower, believer, uh, follower of Jesus or not. And I do love the statement on the front page of your website. If you haven't read it, you might want to look at your website. It's really good. It says this, it doesn't matter who you are, where you come from, or where you've been. We are a church full of imperfect people from all walks of life, and we have saved a seat for you. Some of you may be here for the very first time today, or perhaps you visited before, but you wouldn't describe this church or perhaps any other church as your home, and maybe you're on a a bit of a journey, you're exploring faith, or just aren't sure that if people really knew who you really were, that you would actually be that welcome. Can I just apply those sentences from that website to you? It doesn't matter who you are, where you come from, or where you've been. This is a church full of imperfect people from all walks of life, and there is a seat here for you. This could be your home. You're so welcome here. As a church, your vision and heart to welcome everyone from all walks of life is something that was part of your story from the very beginning and is still the case today. And you've taken risks at crucial points along the journey. You've never found yourself saying, let's have an easy life, let's settle, let's just stay as we are. We've all got a, already got an established church. Do we really need to change? You've embraced the seasons of church life, seasons of growth and and. Uh, challenges and changes, changes in leadership, changes of venue. You've taken risks and you've pushed boundaries which others may not have realized could be pushed. For example, for the last eight years, some of you have been going out onto the streets to pray for those in need. That's a wonderful thing to do. I've done it myself. It's also a very scary thing to do. And you're still pushing that boundary every month, as I understand it, sharing the love and power of God on the streets of New Malden. Someone once said this, you know the last seven words of a dying church? We've never known it that way before. And you've proven the converse to be true. You know, no one's done that before. Hmm. We sense this is God. Let's do it. And you've seen what God can do through risk takers. And today, reflecting on what God has done through this church, you've shown yourselves to be willing to risk, to step up to challenge when you believe that God is initiating it. 
You've also sacrificially given some of your best away. As well as the church here, you've given away leaders to plant other churches. And some of you may not be at all aware of this, but this, this is a mother church with incredible fruitfulness. Uh, this morning, it's not just this room, there are vineyard churches planted out of here, worshipping in Aberdeen, Bristol, Hoxton, Kingston, Leeds, Oxford, Southend, Sutton, Nottingham, and Winchester, and uh, Croydon, Kennington, and Ballon. hope I've not missed any there. And I've not even begun to mention your grandchildren. Did you know that from those churches, a further 31 churches have been planted? And uh, so that's about 44 churches meeting today all over the UK, which were planted directly or indirectly from here. You truly have taken Jesus' commandment to go and make disciples to the next level. Thousands of people, thousands of people are worshipping in a church this morning, uh, planted directly or indirectly from here. Lives touched, individuals eternally changed, the kingdom extended. Things that you may not know about this side of eternity that would not have happened had it not been for your vision and your generosity in giving some of your best away in planting other churches. You know, one day it's going to be such fun in heaven. We've got a long time to have a lot of chats with a lot of people, but you're going to be joined by thousands and thousands of people who would not probably have been there had you not been so releasing. Amazing. Incredible impact for the kingdom. You're risk takers, you've sacrificially given some of your best away, and you care for those in need. Very evidently uh, through the yard, which opened in 2009, and since then numerous ministries have operated in that venue at different times. I've got a list here of 15, which I won't read out because it sounds like a list, but it's just incredible, the variety of things that you've done through that place. What an incredible blessing. All those ministries have been to your community uh, demonstrating God's love, his compassion in incredibly creative ways. Just to focus on a couple, the job club, offering one-to-one -one coaching and help with writing CVs and job searches, interview practice, helping those who've experienced the discouragement of being out of work, renew their confidence and get back into employment. All done while offering free food and drink. The ones with Food Bank hosted there, providing some of London's most vulnerable families with very basic and much-needed resource, and as they pick up all their foodstuffs, they're also served hot, toasted sandwiches. The Yard is a shining example of what a church which really takes seriously the Bible's teaching on care for the poor and needy can do. Now, some of you volunteer there, and some, many of you won't, but here's a thought, that whether you're one of the many volunteers who serves at the Yard or not, if you have given time, energy, or money to support the work and ministry of this church, you are part of every life being touched with the love of Jesus. As your standing order flows out of your bank account each month, let it remind you of what you've invested in and the huge number of lives that will be eternally changed because you give through that ministry, through all the other things I've already mentioned, and many more. So these are just a few ways that you've already partnered with Jesus in building his church. And we simply need to go to the Gospels to see what he said about what 
building and being church looks like. So let me just talk for a moment about something that Jesus said and a dynamic in uh, following him. Um, He spent much of his time, as you know, talking with individuals and small groups and crowds of people, and people flocked to, to hear him. He spoke with an authority they'd never heard before, with such love and compassion and winsomeness and acceptance, and and people just came to him, prostitutes and criminals and people who society rejected were incredibly drawn to spend time with Jesus. And he often repeated an invitation to anyone who would accept it. His invitation was, come. So in Mark 10, come, follow me. Matthew 11, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. John 7, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. John 6, I'm the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry. Mark 6, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Most of us here this morning have responded to Jesus' invitation. But some of us here perhaps have not yet done so. And his invitation to you is to come. If you've never come to Jesus, this is a great day on which you might do that. It may be that you have responded to Jesus' invitation uh, already, but right now, life is giving you a battering. And I believe Jesus would want you to hear that invitation again. Come with your weariness, with your burdens, with your hunger and your thirst. And this church is a safe place where you can do that. To be with Jesus where you can find rest for your soul. And if you feel like that, it may be good for you to camp there just for a while and let some of what I'm about to say pass you by. Others of you are not in that place, and what I'm about to say is for you. Jesus doesn't stop with that invitation. He doesn't just invite us to come to him. In the first four books of the New Testament, the Gospels, we see that after Jesus extends this invitation to come to him, Somewhere around the halfway point, another emphasis emerges in the things that Jesus said to his disciples, those that had responded to his invitation to come. We see his language move from come to go. What we see in the Gospels is that coming to be with Jesus also means going to do the works of Jesus, to extend his kingdom. Because Jesus understood what it meant to be sent He'd been sent to live among us with a mission to usher in the rule and reign of God. And in the description of Jesus' life in Luke's gospel, the first time we see him teaching is from the book of Isaiah. And he turns in the scroll there, and Jesus reads this in Luke 4, 18 and following. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That was written a little over 700 years before he read it by Isaiah. And Jesus understood that this passage was about him. He was fulfilling it right there in their presence. The very first thing he does is explain why he had come. He had been sent. And throughout the Gospels, Jesus often refers to the Father as the one who sent me. I looked up the phrase sent me in the Gospels, especially in John's Gospel. Jesus uses that phrase about himself 39 times. Clearly, Jesus 
is a man sent on a mission. And he goes on to invite us to join him in it. For example, when he first calls the disciples in Matthew 4, he says, come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. He wasn't calling them to just spend time with him, just enjoying their relationship. He didn't stay with them in the synagogue or in their homes. He invited them to join him in ministering to those around them. And he took them out to places where they never would have ventured, to the homes of the most reviled outcasts of society, places the religious people wouldn't dream of going, where they met people with leprosy, where those who were disabled and in pain gathered. Later in Matthew 10, Jesus sends out his 12 disciples to do the things that they'd been doing together, and he says this, go to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, preach this message, the kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons, freely you've received, freely give. Just as Jesus was sent to a world that needed him, he now invites us to go to those who need him. John 17, as you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. John 20, again, Jesus says, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. I love the phrase from Mark 3.14 which really captures this beautifully. He appointed 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out. That they might be with him and that he might send them out. There is not even a comma between those two things. For Jesus, they're one and the same. He calls us to be with him, but far more. As his father sent him, Jesus sends us. It's a wonderful thing to be invited to come and enjoy our relationship with Jesus. It's a wonderful thing to be called into the family of God, to be adopted as sons and daughters. We get to enjoy the Lord. We get to enjoy each other as we walk this walk together in the church. And with that relationship comes the adventure of spending time with Jesus, doing what he's doing. And he invites us to partner with him in the extending of his kingdom. This is an invitation that you have clearly accepted as a church. The things that we've touched on and celebrated this morning uh, would illustrate that. And I believe that today God is extending an invitation into more. Today is something of a milestone. Ten years of Neil and Kate's leadership here as the senior leaders. Ten years, you know, it's a milestone on your journey. Something to thank God for. You've arrived at a milestone. But of course, you haven't arrived. Celebrating what God has done through the last 10 years of Neil and Kate's leadership is a beginning of the next chapter of your life as a church. It's a springboard moment. What you've achieved here gives other Christians and other churches hope. The fact that you as a people have believed there is more and passed through the obstacles which have challenged your progress inspires others to believe for more in their local setting. More ways to serve those in need. More ways to plant new churches, churches that plant other churches. More ways to demonstrate the kingdom. And like different plants in a garden, each church is called to be what God has called that specific and unique church to be. And by living out the vision God has placed on you, by being a church that he has chosen you to be, you're not only a blessing to this community, you're certainly a blessing to the wider vineyard movement and way beyond that. There is more. If you're one of those faithful members 
who has been here for the last 31 years, I want to encourage you, there is more. If you've joined more recently, there is more. If you're here today for the first time and thinking about coming back, there is more. God is doing a wonderful thing here and he has plenty more excitement, challenge, growth, provision, miracles, and kingdom impact on so many levels and in so many ways that we cannot yet imagine. May God continually and richly bless you.